Hi there, welcome to Shiloh Tabernacle London. We're located in South East London in Woolwich Dockyard, Block 1, Unit 9, Dockyard Industrial Estate, Woolwich Church Street, SC18 5PQ. Join us for our Bible study every Friday from 7.30 to 9pm and you can't miss our Sunday services packed with prayer, vibrant worship and a powerful word. First service is 9am to 10.30 followed by our family service from 10.30 to 12.30. And now for the best part, let's get into the word. Good morning saints in the name of the Lord. Thank you for leading us in such an awesome prayer. In the name of the Lord, we are edified in the name of the Lord Jesus, and we thank God who has given us that power and the ability to answer them, to answer back and alter whatever it is that they uh, has been decreed against our lives and destinies, because the greater I am lives on the inside of us. The greater high priest is the one who operates on this altar we are just junior priests in the name of the lord so thank you very much i and i thank jehovah god for the privilege given to me as well to be the minister of the day today glory to god saints of god this is the day that the lord has made no matter what it seems like or feels like or looks like nobody but the lord jesus christ sits upon the throne of our hearts upon the throne of our families, of our nations, and because it sits there, we have victory, we have righteousness, we have peace and comfort in the blessed Holy Ghost, in Jesus' name. Taking it away now, continuing further to uh, demystify or clarify uh, the sig spiritual, sig the mystery, sp spiritual significance and meaning of altars or of an altar. And I'm still on the introductory part where we are saying altars, the history, I'm giving you the history of um, the biblical his history of altars as we move forward because we understand as, as, um, as ministers of grace, ministers of the covenant of grace in the New Testament, we understand that for us to understand where we are, we need to understand where we are. We are coming from because remember God is a progressive God and God is a generational God the God of Abraham Isaac Jacob is a generational God progressive God and also remember that God builds God does not destroy he builds on the foundation from where he has come from as we move forward so therefore that um, points us and Paul the Apostle while he was teaching us Paul gets to tell us in Colossians chapter 2 verse 16 that um, that uh, that uh, let no one judge you of the new Sabbaths, the moon and the festive days and all these kind of things. For all the things existed as shadows, the reality is Christ. So we have the shadows, we have the reality. Now most of the believers in the Old Testament were shadows but we are the reality in Christ and we thank God for that. And we are living in the times of the manifestation while they lived in the times of the prophetic being, uh, prophecies being uttered. We are the reality. We are the manifestation of those prophecies. So we thank God for that. Now moving forward, um, we know that in the Bible there are prophecies that are 
presented through patterns. There are prophetic patterns, prophet, prophecies that are released through events, um, events and actions and patterns. Now we know what I mean by that. There are physical actions or, or events that took place, but eschatologically pointing us to the reality in the future. Now we understand eschatology simply means it looks like a big word, but theologically means pointing us is the interpretation of the Bible by looking at the history which points you to the eschatology, eschatology of the scripture, the future where you're, you're supposed to be taped. For instance, we see that in Psalms 21, there's a prophetic pattern through the word. There are prophetic patterns through actions, words, and events that took place. Now, the prophetic pattern through the word, we can see it in Isaiah 53. Literally, that was... Um, that was uh, Isaiah gave that prophecy, but it was literally Isaac. Although figuratively, it is pointing you to Christ. Um, this is Isaac who went through that um, event. It was an event that actually happened in the life of uh, um, of 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 of, J, um, of Abra Abraham's son. But yet, it is actually prophetically pointing us to Christ. And then we see David prophesying a man with whom we have dipped in the same, in the same, in the same, um, in the same um, dish has betrayed me. Yet you see now that Ahithophel, a representation or a shadow, a prototype of Judas, who would later betray Jesus. And now you could see that he talks about people. Um, uh, Casting lots for his garments. We're talking about now Psalms 20, what is it, 22? The Messianic Psalm. Now you see, it. that's a prophecy through a, um, the word of God, a prophetic pattern through the word. Although this was David, yet figuratively pointing us to Christ. So having that understanding, therefore, as we look at scripture, looking for Christ everywhere, in the Bible, there is Jesus, the Bible, Jesus hidden in the Old Testament, yet clearly revealed to us in the New Testament. is a mystery that has already been revealed to us and many people desire to be in our time. So as we move forward in this subject, therefore it is important for us to look at the altar um, in terms of the biblical history because it is pointing us to the reality and be able to understand why it was there and how to apply it and how relevant it is. We will see, you see, from Genesis of the Bible to the revelation of the Bible, we're still talking about the altars. Even when John the, the, um, the, John the Apostle, when he had an encounter with Jesus on, 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 the, on, the, on, the, on the island, he still... Um, of Patmos is still God reveals to him an altar in heaven actually a couple of altars in heaven we saw so we will see in future when God enables us to get to that place but that being said the historical um, biblical um, history biblical history of altars it will help us to fully understand how to engage how to apply so far Let's move forward. Now, I will start from here because uh, of that very introduction. After Enoch, uh, we have seen, if you remember, when Genesis chapter 5 and verse 24, we saw that the man who walked with God. And as I say this, remember the key thing I've been repeating myself that uh, as we continue now to go in a deeper sense of defining an altar, 
so for us to draw spiritual significance of an altar and um, the implications um, unveiling this mystery making it more clearer to us now after Enoch lived uh, or after Enoch men like Noah men like Abraham men like Isaac and Jacob they also raised the altars from which they called upon the name of the Lord in prayer now <clears throat> pardon me what does that mean no spiritual man has ever operated without raising an altar no spiritual man has ever operated without raising an altar now the altar is a physical or spiritual the altar is a physical or spiritual place dedicated for the spiritual operation dedicated for spiritual operation that is important for you to understand now it is the place of devotion now as you see the things it's not remember the keywords i've been speaking the altar could be is it could be there are mobile and the stationary altars and remember i told you um there are physical altars and they are as a physical place and a spiritual altar most of us assemble um we assemble we assemble um on this on our physical altars right now but yet we are connected to the altar of all altars from which we draw our strength that is the throne of grace but nobody can see the throne of grace now just because you don't see it and you're subscribing to it does not mean it is not existing because this the reality is what is in the spirit and the spiritual life is so real that when you enter into when you start to when you engage especially when you enter into the demonstration of the power of God and you begin to see these manifestations taking place and that's when you realize the reality because most of us don't even see that we have when we talk about substitution that I no longer live but Christ lives in me that that truth has not dawned on many Christians until you are in when you are casting out a demon and the demon looks at you and says Jesus or sometimes they look at you in the eyes and say oh the lion lion of lion of Judah but literally you're looking at yourself or oh, over the shoulder I remember back in the days in my youth or teens when that used to happen I would look over my shoulder and I'm thinking where is the lion of Judah and they're looking at me now here I am I'm seeing myself as me the demon I'm casting out does not see Moses it sees the lion of the tribe of Judah it sees Jesus Christ it sees sometimes it looks at me and they're saying fire 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 mm? but you for yourself and the people around you just take you ordinarily they look at you as an ordinary man that's why Paul says no no man after the flesh <laughs> so that's why may may Jehovah God open the eyes of our understanding to come to spiritual uh, spirit, the spiritual revelation of the reality of who truly we are praise the name of the Lord because that's very important now moving forward with that no spiritual man has ever operated without raising an altar and I've told you that the altar is a spiritual or physical place dedicated for spiritual operation 
It is a place of devotion. It's a place of worship. It's a place, I told you initially, I'm just moving forward. It's a place of cursing or blessing. Um, it's a place of sacrifices or offerings and so forth. Now, an altar is a sacred platform. It's a sacred platform for, for spiritual operation. For spiritual operation. Now, human priests, of course, minister at an altar to worship or fellowship with the deities in the realm of the spirit. What does that mean? This means that an altar is a gate, is a gate through which the supernatural meets the natural. An altar is a gate through which the supernatural meets the natural. Now, when we talk about the supernatural, it does not only mean supernatural has to do with only God. There is on the other dark world. They are also engaging in the supernatural. The power, the demonic power is not natural power, is a supernatural power. But when we talk about the supernatural for us on this side, the greater I am is greater than theirs. The greater who lives on the inside of us is greater than the one who lives and operates in the camp of darkness. So that's what gives us, um, that's what gives us always, that's what makes us more than conquerors in this battle. Now, that being said, I want us to look at Exodus chapter 20 and verse 22. Um, we want, uh, uh, verse 22 to 24, we want to look at the instruction that God spoke to Moses, that gave to Moses. Now, the Bible says here in Exodus 20, verse 22 to 24, I read, and um, it reads like this. Then the Lord said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the Israelites, You have seen for yourselves that I have spoken to you from heaven. You shall not make other gods to worship besides me, gods of silver or gods of gold. You shall not make these lifeless idols for yourselves. I'm reading from the Amplified. You verse 24 you shall make an altar now listen follow closely in and follow scripture closely and see what is going on here he's telling moses that you say to these israelites you have seen for yourselves you have experienced you have experienced me that i have spoken to you from heaven i am greater i have spoken to you from heaven you shall not make other gods to worship besides me. Gods of silver. Can I also, before I go further with reading the word, can I submit this to you? That what is another god or an idol? What's a god or an idol? Remember, keep this in mind. Because as far as God is concerned, a god or an idol, anything that is a small, that anything that is an idol becomes your god. And what's an idol or a god? An idol or a small god is something that you sacrifice for and unto at the expense of your relationship with God. Whatever you sacrifice for, whatever you sacrifice to at the expense of your relationship with God becomes your god and your small, your small god or idol. I love to go domestic sometimes. Now, if for you, if, for instance, if sex 
is what <laughs> if TV, if football, the Lord, I was a man of God, but God had to deliver me the times I used to live here in England. God had to deliver me from, um, from uh, football. You know, even the day I'm going to preach and, I'm, and Man United is going to play, you know, you know, I would, and I know I, I would even cut the sermon short. And so, but because I'm not even concentrating on what I'm, you, you may be saying now, what? Yes. And I would cut it so short to make sure that we finish church so fast, boom, 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 rush and go watch manual play. And <laughs> most times I would be, I would be embarrassed and I'll say, God, are you doing this to show me that um, because I did that? And Manu would be beaten severely. And I'm like, <clears throat> why did I even have to cut the service short? But the Holy Spirit was trying to tug my heart and point out that thing. Now me coming to this level that even I don't know how the premiership table looks like. I don't know when. I don't have any fixture. I don't know where they are. Who Even I don't know anymore the players of Man United, who they are. You know, because an idol could be a vice, a habit, but that habit, whatever you sacrifice for at the expense of your relationship with God becomes an idol, could be that remote. Something could be your sleep. That's why when we come to the altar of our devotion, it demands a sacrifice we that which we love the most. I told you there are people that love their sleep. Now that being said, can I move forward, please? Okay. And then God says in verse 23, you shall not make other gods to worship besides me. Gold is then it goes on to say gods of silver or gods of gold. You shall not make these lifeless idols for yourselves. 24 you shall make, now, instead of these things, you shall make an altar of earth for me and sacrifice on it your burnt offerings and your peace offerings, your sheep and your oxen in every place where I cause my name to be recorded and remembered through revelation of my divine nature and I will come to you and bless you. Remember what I told you that we, when we looked at that an altar is a sacred platform for spiritual operation and we have seen that it can be a place of blessing, devotion, worship, blessing or cursing. It says you shall make an altar. Now let me move on. It says you shall um, and sacrifice on it your burnt offerings and your peace offerings, your sheep and your oxen. In every place where I cause my name to be recorded and remembered through revelation of my divine nature, I will come to you and bless you. Now, um, that being said, as we move forward, Exodus chapter 20 and verse 22 to 24, which we've just read, is the first place in the Bible. This is the very first place in the Bible where God himself taught men how to raise altars. Where God taught men how to raise altars for spiritual operation. If you have time and you move on to verse 25, 
to verse uh, 26 there in the same scripture God's go, he goes on to give instructions and says if you make an altar of stone for me you shall not build it um, of or you shall not build it of cut cut stones for if you are to use a chisel on it you will profane it now shall you go up to my altar on steps so that your nakedness will it says now shall you go up to my altar on steps you know steps stairs so that your nakedness will be exposed on it so we see here that God himself is teaching men how to raise altars for spiritual operation now the children of Israel had just encountered God at this moment on Mount Sinai in a most spectacular way therefore Jehovah goes on to tell them through Moses that if they needed to experience his visitation again they would have to employ the use of an altar according to the Bible we see that Jehovah our God promised to meet and fellowship with his people at the place of the altar this is what we see in Genesis therefore he goes on and he commanded the people to raise altars of worship and fellowship to him and make sacrifices to him on the altar now we know that the place of an altar is a place of of devotion sacrifice and prayer unto God now the Lord promised to meet them at the altar and bless them Leviticus chapter 6 and verse um, Leviticus chapter 6 and verse 12 to 13 shows us that God promises to meet his people at the altar and bless them now the Bible says in Leviticus 6 12 to 13 it goes and the fire upon the altar shall I'm gonna minute and the fire on the altar shall not go out everybody there and the Bible says and the fire on the altar shall be burning on it it shall not be put out the fire on the altar shall uh, upon the altar it shall not be put out now when you look at this isn't it is it not the same is it not the same thing that we are told in first um, Thessalonians that pray without ceasing we are told to pray without ceasing now God is saying here that uh, as we go further we will understand deeper the significances and the spiritual um, significances um, as we continue to teach to, to learn now let's read the scripture again please it says and the fire upon the altar shall be burning in it it shall not be put out and the priest shall burn wood on it every morning and lay the burnt offering in order upon it and he shall burn he shall burn thereon the fat of the peace offerings the fire shall ever be burning upon the altar it shall never go out most of us love the we love the uh, the title of royal priesthoods but I don't know if many do pay attention that wherever, wherever there is a priest there is an altar 
wherever there is a priest, there's an altar, <laughs> an altar for ministration. A priest has to minister on his altar. So the Bible calls us royal priesthoods because we are the extension of Jesus' priesthood here on earth. That's why we operate the name of Jesus Christ here on earth. We are heaven's legislators. We are judges. We are law enforcement agents of God here on earth. We operate like small, uh, in America, you call them small circuits, uh, the small circuit courts. We do not create legislation. We only enforce the small circuits or small uh, courts do not create. They're not the, the they're not the supreme or the high court. They're not the supreme court. So therefore, they do not create legislation, but they enforce legislation. We are here to enforce what is written in the Word of God as priests. The thing is bothering me, but anyway, let's move on, um, um, please. And it goes on to say, in as we have seen in Leviticus chapter six and verse thirteen. 12 to 13, we see that when an altar of fellowship and worship has been raised, what do we see in the scripture? Whenever the altar of praise or fellowship and worship has been raised unto Jehovah God, he expects the altars to be, he expects our altars to be on fire perpetually. When it says the fire shall not go out, that's exactly what the Bible is saying to us. That's why God wants us to maintain whatever Jesus has procured, whatever Jesus has given unto us through his finished work on the cross, it is our responsibility to maintain, to maintain and sustain, and that's how we enforce the work, the finished work of Jesus Christ does not have any effect on our lives until we enforce. There are things we are supposed to enforce to manifest in order to experience them. I love the Fanero ministry because it, that word Fanero is a Greek word that says make it manifest. There are certain things until that word manifest, Fanero, make it manifest. It is talking to you that they are, these are your inheritances, but they cannot come into reality until you do your rest. There is your responsibility to make it manifest. You activate it, you manifest it. So that calls upon your understanding and your responsibility. Now you enforce what Jesus has already finished. Healing is your divine tech, for instance, healing is your inheritance. Healing is my inheritance, but we are it's not it does not become a reality until if you are feeling sick. I didn't say if you are sick because you are is a declaration. I'm saying feeling expression. If you are feeling sick, Therefore, what do you do? You activate that healing. You declare, by the stripes of Jesus, I am the healed, maintaining my health and healing in Jesus' name. You're not going to go and ask God, oh God, heal me. Heal me in the name of Jesus. Heal me. No, I am the healed. By the stripes of Jesus, I will not be healed. I was already healed. So I am the healed. Thank you because I am the healed. What are you doing? You are reinforcing that which Jesus has already done for you. 
Now, if God says maintain the fire, <laughs> now we ha they had the physical fire, but we have the spiritual fire. Many times they used to make the physical fire, but do you realize now the spiritual significance that any time you are praying, an altar, when it's set in place, there is a fire because fire that is going to receive that is going to receive an offering, that is receiving and burning the offerings to go before God to, as a smelling aroma, sweet aroma in the nostrils of God. On your altar, there is fire. You may not see that fire, but you need to understand you have been baptized by the fire of the Holy Ghost and you are a carrier of fire. You are a carrier of the person of fire, the Holy Spirit himself. So on your altar, there is fire. Now, if you, we know that fire does a lot of things. Fire can destroy things, but fire can also maintain or preserve things. So on this altar, you are preserved, but also there are things you are burning that are meant to be destroyed. And we know that fire is a purifier on our altar as we present ourselves on this altar. The fire that is present as we submit ourselves as living sacrifices on this altar, that's where we are purified. Now, when a man steps away from prayer, that man does not give himself an opportunity for God to conform, to transform. Form. And now, that being said, let's move forward. In other words, um, the priests were to ensure, because this fire, as God has um, instructed, that he expects the altars, our altars, to be on fire perpetually. Now, the priests who were to ensure, the priests who were to, they were the ones to ensure the continuity of the altar through regular sacrifices on their altar. You as a priest, you now responsible for ensuring the continuity of the fire, the regular sacrifices that take place on your personal altar. This is why Paul tells us, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, which is holy and acceptable. Now, we as the priesthood in Christ, we need to understand that as we come on our altars, what will this do? Our continuity um, through regular sacrifices on our altars as we give ourselves to God. What does that mean? This will ensure that God's blessings upon his people remains unbroken. Now, can I also, on the other hand, speak about briefly satanic altars? Satan is a counterfeit. Satan and his demonic and human agents. Now, I come from the Islam religion. Nobody understands altars more than Muslims. They have no problem for them to understand. That's why no Muslim will slaughter a chicken, a goat, a cow without directing it towards without facing it east facing it in the east and he will dedicate it constantly to Allah every mosque is built facing the east connecting to their altar their altar of altars in their world the Kaaba that Kaaba in Mecca in the east 
whenever they are, every mosque is built, they have, to, they, they have to determine where the east is. Look at every mosque. It is a facing connecting to their altar of altars, the Kaaba. When they are going to, suck, to slaughter any chicken or cow, they have to face it east, connecting it to their altar. Every meat Christian Muslims slaughter is connected to their altar and it is made with this prayer. A'unzu billahi minashaytanirajim Bismillahirrahmanirrahim Allahu Akbar Allahu Akbar Bismillahirrahmanirrahim So they begin to thank their God that Allah is great, Allah is great that demon which is not Jehovah God so they have to say is great A'unzu billahi minashaytanirajim Bismillahirrahmanirrahim First and foremost I take refuge from Satan I don't know which Satan they are talking about and uh, this meat this, this one I declare there is only one God but Allah and he begins to praise Allah for the sacrifice as he dedicates it. Now, you are Christian, you go buy a Christian. That's why you go and eat food that is dedicated on Islamic altars. And you buy their meat many times. That's why the Bible talks about sanctification. Most people just eat without sanctifying. Without sanctifying, as soon as they enter a place, they just eat. And that's how sometimes people struggle. Everything that is done... In the demonic world, it has, has implications and they do it purposefully because they knew what they are targeting. They can, the food that is dedicated, Paul talks about this in Corinthians, the food dedicated to idols. And he knows why to affect. That's why most Christians, when they know Muslims, now I'll tell you, they know how to sacrifice and service their altars. And they follow these principles. They used to tell us. Now you, you, they used to tell us to do these things, and I have, that's how they engage and snatch the destinies of people, the stars of wealth, the stars of the the stars of people's wealth. Now you see on Friday. Ask yourself, why is it there is no on Sunday service? You don't see many poor people coming at our church to beg. But they go to mosques and every city, wherever there's a mosque, you see the beggars queuing and they're going to be given money. And you, most people say the Muslims are generous. They're not just generous, they know what they're doing. Because that money, they understand as you come on my altar and I give you the money, I am actually, it is in exchange with your star of destiny. It is an exchange. They are not. They don't love you that they are giving to you. They'll hate you so much that they have to exchange and take what is meant to be yours. It is the exchange of destiny. They are not stupid. That's why Muslims, have you noticed at your place of work, they prepare food and give to you. But have you noticed no Muslim eats your food, but is very generous in giving food to you? Yeah. Mm -hmm. At your place of work, wherever you work, notice, Muslims, when they come to your place of work, they will come with cooked food, or when they buy food, they want to give you food. No Muslim eats his food before, he, or even in the preparation we were taught, as you prepare the meals, you dedicate your food to Allah. When he's going to eat, he says, Bismillah, Rahman, Rahim, Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. He's thanking God, he praises his Allah and he thanks his God for the meal as he dedicates it to him. Now he comes and gives to you. What is he doing? He is in, 
indirectly you without knowing he is actually connecting you to his altar that's why there are people you go to places and you eat certain foods and you discover you begin to you who has been not sleeping spiritually you begin to doze your prayer life you don't understand why your prayer life has been affected because you just eat anyhow and you don't sanctify you the bible says whatever you sanctify with the word of god is sanctified but most of us we do not enforce that which is rightfully ours because and that's why you find certain people affected in a certain way because they are not making use of all the of all the things that god has given to us in christ now these um, Satan and his demonic and human agents have deployed the use of altars to very deadly advantages. Have you noticed that a Muslim at the place of his work, he will pray and when it comes to your place, when it comes to that, that's how they honor their altar. When it is the agreed time to meet with their maker come, not their maker, that demon Allah is not the creator of heaven and earth. But that demon is highly respected that they honor their altar. They constantly service their altar through giving, constant giving. Have you noticed that when an opportunity comes to build a mosque, you don't see... Have you ever seen Muslims running around with the drive shows or trying to advertise so much to build a mosque? They understand whenever it comes, they know that whatever is connected to the mosque, it is raising an altar that will speak for their families. They know that offerings have a voice. Imagine in Islamic, they know that, that um, offerings have a voice. And it is the offerings upon the altar of Allah that speaks for you. That's why Muslims are so keen on sacrificing and giving because you know, these are the things that are speaking, that they give voice to their altar. That's why God says when you come on the altar, do you know that your, your sacrifice, your, your life which you lay down, an offering is a representation of a person, true? In conventional business, we trade our time for the money. So that man is a representation of who you are. That's why when a man withholds a tithe, he has a tenth, which is a, the, the sum of the whole. You don't have to bring all of it because a tenth is a representation, a sum of all, of the, of the whole. Because we know the number ten represents scripturally wholeness. You need ten commandments to be in relationship. They needed ten commandments to be in relationship with God. Not eleven, not twelve, ten. When you count from one to ten, you go back to one, to zero. One, do, you know, ten is a whole number. So it's a whole cycle. So for you... To present a tenth is you have presented your entire life. God says just bring a tenth. It's a representation of a whole. Ten commandments, you have ten fingers. For you to have a firm grief, ten fingers. Ten, um, ten, um, for you to fully to destroy Pharaoh and, and, and demolish his kingdom, you have to deal with ten plagues. Ten. 
total you for you to come to wholeness to enter into your destiny you understand what i'm saying so now stain is just a representation of the whole when a man withholds his tithe he has withheld his life from god when you steal a tenth you don't understand the spiritual significance you are stealing your life you are denying your withholding your life god you will not influence my life you have no right over my spirit, my soul, and body, and my finances, and my resources. You are withholding it. So they under, because why? Your money is a representation of you. That's why Jesus goes by the offertory basket and looks and says, this woman has outgiven everybody. Why? Because he goes at the very place of sacrifice, of, um, he's at the offertory, at the altar. He's at the altar. That's why Jesus says, if you are coming to a place of prayer and you come to the altar, it says that you're giving your offering and you remember you have an issue with the brother, put down the offering, put down the gift, first go set on matters. And he asked a question, what is, what is more sacred? What is sacred? Is it the gift or the altar? And that's why there are a lot of people you have withheld your life from God. And that's why the devil attacks this. The whole, the tent is a representation of a whole. And many people, their lives have been withheld from God. Now, take for instance in child dedication. Jesus, if is our Jesus is our role model. When he was being dedicated, they asked for what? Turtle doves or pigeons because his family were not wealthy. So they presented that that is in Leviticus, a poor family who could not afford that the sheep, they would bring in what? Turtle doves. As an offering. Why? Because how can you come to dedicate a child? We dedicate this child. You are bringing this child on the altar. Now, an offering is a representation of you. That's why when um, this man... Um, um, this man who came there, the uh, Syrian commander in, in Kings, Second Kings, I believe, this man who came, uh, um, what's that name, the Syrian commander, is it Naaman, the leper, after he had received, after he had been healed, he gave offerings, a representation of his life, and he gave them to who? He gave them to the prophet. The prophet said, this is no time to receive gifts. We don't like you. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Take your gifts. Now, Gehaz says that I think this old man is old-fashioned. Is old he doesn't understand the things. So he goes on to take the money, the silver and the gold of Naaman. What happened to Gehaz? The leprosy that was on the man was transferred on Gehaz. That's why it now Muslims do have that understanding and people in the demonic world that your life is connected to your offering. Okay, I hope um, we are all together in this so basically now you see you come to dedicate a child empty-handed what look at the history 
to teach you how things, you can't come to a place you call an altar without an offering. How do you service? That's why you are any time you give something, you are releasing a part of your life. That's why God says it is more blessed to give because as you release, you make room. Now, I'm not talking about just money. A lot of people, when you talk about the things, they don't want to know, but the altar where you are blessed. How many of you, you have been blessed on this morning glory? Your lives are changing. How many of you service this altar to remember, hey, man of God, I am placing a demand on heaven. I honor this altar. One of the key things, why do you think the lepers, Jesus told them to go present themselves to a priest? And then this one recognized that this man has to be a Samaritan, recognized by revelation, this man has to be, he has to be a priest of all priests. This one has to be, he came back to honor. That word when you look in the message Bible, amplified classic, he came back to give thanks, to honor, to glorify God. When he came to say thank you, he came to honor. But remember, it says on their way, when you noticed that you were, when they noticed, when they were cleansed on the way as they were going, he told them, go and present yourselves to the priest. You don't present yourself to a priest empty-handed because they were going, where there is a priest, there was an altar. Remember that. They were to go there and give thanks. Many times people are blessed. Do you return to service the altar where you fellowship and service it by offering there? Most people, God bless you, bless you. And they don't even understand that word, God bless you. And most Christians don't know even how to declare a blessing. When God says, be blessed, he says, you know what he said? He said, be fruitful and multiply. Most people don't even know how to bless. They just say, God bless you. God bless me. A blessing is specific. He said, the Lord bless. He says, and God bless them. And he said, be fruitful, increase, multiply. My mosque said, God bless you. <laughs> God bless you, woman of God. God bless you. It's just, they have made blessing too cheap. Because they don't understand the implication of things. Christians love to operate in ignorance. God bless you. And God bless you. It has become a jargon that we use a religious. You see, the absence of, revel of revelation is what reduces men to religiosity. The absence of revelation is what brings death to our service. Everything we do, it is life flows from revelation. Whatever you do without a revelation becomes religion. If your offering is not done out of revelation, you're going to complain. Where does this money go? Now we are. Now you see, we are in the New Testament. Now, uh, why, why should we now? Uh, we can't raise an altar. In we are in because you don't understand the things. You are constantly called to come to the throne of grace. The throne of grace is an altar. Now, God expects that you have learned, you have looked at the history to understand that when you approach the throne of grace, you don't come empty-handed. But most of the people, they want to choose and pick 
okay now let's move forward we'll get to that part that's not the real deal as we go on now i'm looking at my time i'm still within the right time thank god now let's move on now i was saying to you um that the sons of darkness understand how to use these things. Now, moving away from this point, I want to say that when they came to dedicate Jesus, they brought, according to Leviticus, turtle doves because they were poor to consummate, to consummate the dedication. You come to dedicate many Christians, the reason their businesses flourish and then boom, they were never dedicated to God. They never dedicate their businesses to God. They take things for granted. Principles are principles. What are principles? Principles are set of rules or laws which regulate function to life. A principle is a principle. And wisdom is a principle thing. We are protected by the principles of God. Do you, you will get to understand in Islam, even your business is an altar. That's why a Muslim will close his door when it is 1 p.m. or 12 p.m. No matter how many customers are before him, he will close. Why? He has to service his altar. And I walked in Kampala in 2019 all over everywhere or whenever used to come from kenya 2017 coming to kenya i mean to um, uganda and you would notice that almost all the shops these flats those businesses there almost all the shops are owned by muslims owned by muslims and it and it began to to f I, I was feeling bad. Why? Where are the children of God? And the same in Kenya. They have now, the places that were for lunch hours in Kenya have been taken by Muslims. They have bought them and turned them into restaurants. You know, they purposed in Kenya, these Muslims, to ensure that every altar of lunch hour in Kenya is a place where you used to go and find many, 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 almost every corner, a lunch hour, a lunch hour here, a lunch hour there. They have bought those places and turned them into restaurants where they, they, they sell the best pilau, cheap food, and Christians break from work and come and eat and they contaminate themselves, their prayer lives. They are strategic, they are methodical, they are intentional, but Christians are not. They, it comes to 1 p.m., they close their, their business and honor. But Christians, we are so, this kind of familiarity is what has caused us to has turned the church to be powerless. They continue to thrive. <laughs> exactly, uh, Pastor Diana, exactly. Have you noticed what Pastor Diana has just said there? 
they pay all money to maintain their Muslim mayor in power in Kampala. They are methodical, they are intentional, they are missional. Christians are not. The moment the man of God stands up, we need to buy this, we need to do this. Or all the time they're asking for money. And they want to make you feel that asking for the money to service the altar. Listen, I will get to a point, the altar you do not service does not work for you. It will mock you. That's why you find the people in the church, in a ministry that's so powerful, impacting everybody else, except the person who sits there. They are, they, instead of thriving, they are withering in the same very place God sent them to be blessed. They don't know how to service an altar. They, uh, me, I'm not one. I'm an apostle. I'm not, I don't preach apologetically. The, the principles are principles. We're not going to be coward in a corner to be afraid even to talk about money because where there is an altar, there has to be offering and sacrifice. It's not to beg you. So, I have seen, now, can I ask you a question? I am a, I'm a, I'm a person who has descended from the, Islamic, from the Islamic people. My father, my mother, my great-grand, all sides. As far as most of you know, Mutajaz and Chiguli, he came from Zanzibar. So we are a mixture. Zanzibar in Tanzania. Mutajaz, Chiguli, Mutajaz, 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 Chiguli, Abagendera, Mutajaz, Mutajaz, that Mutajaz, the, who was a sorcerer, who was a, um, a train of sorcerers in Uganda. Can I tell you something? Anybody of you who has ever visited a shrine, a coven, witch doctors, what is the first thing when you go to a witch doctor or most of you that come from the Baganda families, not even just Baganda, wherever you come from, Baganda had altars called Ebigali, Echigali. Every family has a Chigali, has an altar, whereby you put, when you go to visit your grandmothers, they will tell you to put a Rinosu. There's coins or little money with little denominations. Why? Because they want you to connect with the family altar. You put a Rinosu, those coins, or you put... But have you any Muganda here who can attest to what I'm saying? Erinusu, you go in those baskets and put those coins. Or the money with little the list of denominations, whatever. They don't even force you out of willingness, you put in there. When you go to a witch or a coven, what's the first thing they do? There is a basket they want. Nobody can go to a shrine or a coven. And you will not fast before you even speak to them. You must, they connect you to their altar by reason of your, you give money, you put in that basket. Now, this is not the money that is deciding actually. It is, this one is not money for your service. No, it's money you give out of a willing heart before even they tell you the price for whatever they are going to be pretending to be working on in the coven they say now you have to connect you are honoring the ancestors at you are honoring the ancestors you connect your life that's why are you hearing me that's why people that go to those covens and shrines they never stop going because they have connected themselves to those demonic powers
Now, have you noticed that the moment a man goes to a coven or a shrine to a witch, he does not stop going, you don't stop honoring. If you stop, sickness now manifests in another of your child or your business. Is this you keep going back because you need to keep servicing the altar. As we come to the closure for today, you need to understand that Satan and his demonic and human agents have deployed the use of altars to very deadly advantages. Through the use of altars, they have kept, they have kept territories, they have kept families, they have kept individuals under evil control or captivity for generations. Satan and his demons encourage men. You hear this? Satan and his demons encourage men to raise idolatrous, idolatrous altars to worship demons and thereby placing them on their descendants under demonic bondage. I repeat, Satan and his demons encourage men to raise idolatrous altars to worship demons and thereby placing them and their descendants under demonic bondage. Most of the names in the Baganda clan, I don't know other places, they name people based on the demonic deities in a clan. You are in Jove clan, that is the the, the god of that clan you subscribe to, this and that's why people are so engrossed into these things. And then you, they, you chant. I've ever been there and I've seen them chanting, and I've seen it when. Uh, I, I was coming from the Njova clan and you would see them chanting and the specific songs for specific clans as they chant and play those drums. A demon comes and chooses one of the members in the clan and it incarnates and begins to speak through them and give them messages. And the names of these people, just as in the, in the Bible, when whoever, men who had encounters with God, Abram was operating the altars of his father. You remember in Ar or Mesopotamia where God called Abram. Why do you think God had to tell Abram, leave your mother and the father's house and go to a place? He was disconnecting him from his family altar. And God had to change his name. What is the first thing Abram does when he reaches the place of his destiny in Genesis 12, 7? He builds, he raises an altar to God and called upon God. He is disconnecting himself from his father and mother's altar. There are certain people. I remember there is a man of God. He was given a prophecy, even by Apostle Balabi Kubo, and they told him, change that name, Mokasa Wenyanja. Mokasa is a god of the sea. As unstable as the waves of the sea, I've seen people that with that name, they never settle because it's a demonic altar. I prayed for somebody whose status here 
had refused to be given because they had given her a name Naka today. And me, I'm praying, the demon manifests and begins to say, and say, get out. I say, I'm Naka today. I say, I can't leave her. She was given to me. She was married to me. But you would think the name Naka today is a female. It sounds female. Well, how can they marry a woman to a woman? I was married to her. I am Naka today. There are four. You can't cast me out. I was married. I said, when were you married to her? When they named her at her naming ceremony, when they named her Naka today, they dedicated her to this deity, to this demonic power, and says, I am the one who has sat on her marriage. I'm the one who has sat on her papers. I'm the one. But she was not using that name. People that were present when I was praying for that woman, I was praying for that woman here in London. Most of you, if you're here and you are praying at Pastor Betty's bridal shop, that woman that I prayed for and I told her, in two weeks you're having your status. Because I saw, as I was praying, I could see how the deliverance began. I was, we were praying and interceding, then I could see a, a huge circle, like a ngechi pillar, like um, um, around her dark like a rim, a, um, a ribbon that is so darkish, like um, of a tire. And I began to point to it and say, I, I break this, um, this um, embargo I'm seeing. And then the demon manifested. She fell down and demons began to cry. I said, I am the one who has refused her to be married. I'm the one who has sat on her status. I said, get out. That woman in two weeks received her status. She was able to finish her nursing. At age 40-something coming to 50, she got married. Now, the man who married her takes her all over the world. Ever you see them, they're in America, they're in where. Eh? Happily married at age 40-something coming to 50. I think she got married around about 47 or 46. Yet she was tongue-speaking, born-again Christian. But the demon says, I remember there's a person I prayed for. And I said, I sang, and I said, why are you not leaving her? She has what belongs to us. What has she got? Our name. Then I, and guess what? I remember that young lady. The Lord gave me a name as I'm praying and said, call her Chisache Amukama, Chisache, God's grace. That's the name I named her, God's grace. But as I close, God's grace, today she's married to a pastor. But she was brought to the church where I was ministering when she was a glory of Christ, when she was mad in Entebbe, Bugonga, mad. You know, a mad person, mad, crazy. So I began to pray for her. Though she was needed because of the name they gave to her, demons after her salvation were demanding she should be, she's the one who was chosen to take over her auntie's shrine. And she refused because when she got born again and she went mad. So she, they brought her to church, a mad woman, and I began to pray for this mad woman. Now, the demons manifest and say, you can't take away from us. We are either killing her. I said, you can't. I said, what has she got? The Holy Spirit asked me, ask them, what is it that they have that she has that belongs to them? Because the point of contact, that whatever as is operating as um, a point of contact that refuses them to go. Then they say, hmm, she's got our name. Guess what? Listen to what I learned. This is when I'm 17 years old. So I decided to say, I sanctify that name in Jesus' name. We sanctify it. We declare this name holy. The demon began to laugh at me. <laughs> you cannot. The demon told me, 
you can't sanctify me. <laughs> it says, me, I am the demon. This name, it is me. You can't sanctify me. So the name given to her as a name to continue the demonic legacy of the family, the witchcraft, it was a demon itself. So when I, dis I heard that, the Holy Spirit gave me the name Chisache Amokama Chisache. And I said, now I called her back into, back into her conscious. Come back to your conscious. She returned. And I said to her, you are named this name which you're not using. I don't like that name. And I said, okay, God is giving you a name. If you don't like it, denounce it. Just say, from today, I'm not that person. I, I, I renounce that name. And I declare, I am Chisachamu. As we are saying, Chisachamu, come a demon popped and ran away. And from that day, Chisache became whole. Now, today, she's married to a pastor, pastor's wife, Chisache. The names. There's another couple I finalized with this. This couple used to fellowship, I think, at Pastor, um, pastor Kauma's church. Now, they're in Scotland. They gave me the, the right to use their testimony. They came to me in 2006. They were stuck, man-educated, woman-educated, stuck in a small house for years. But as nothing is happening, everything working against them, so they brought them to me and I began to pray. As I was praying, this man, the husband, falls to the ground. As I'm praying, then the Holy Spirit asks me, he, has, he tells me he has a name. I call him back to his conscience and I told him, what does the I hear what says in Swazalugodo? In Swa, in Swazalugodo. What's in Swa? Is it these ants? Hmm? The traveling ants or the whatever? Ants of the pilgrimage or pilgrim like thing, things like that. In Swazalugodo, in Swazalugodo. In Swa, you know these ants, they always eat. But they named her, and I said, and I said, your grandmother, and as I was praying, the Holy Spirit began to tell me, tell him he was given a name by his grandmother, Nswa Zalugudo. Who does that mean? In his, in his passport, the guy don't use the name. So I began to pray for this, for this man. And it says, the day he was born, Auntie, the grandmother rushed to the hospital. She walked her many miles to make sure she's the first one, and she gave him the name. And says, I always didn't like the name. You know, the, what does that mean in Swazwal good? It means that those ants, they will never rest. In Swazwal, but the ants of the way, so they never rest. You can't rest. So, and yet he had an uncle named after the same name, named exactly after him. The uncle began in the city, finished in Masaka, went back, broke, died poor in Masaka. So these demons are here in London. The guy was about to be deported. They say, we want to deport him to Kampala. From Kampala, he has to go back to the village where his uncle is, die like his uncle. So I call, I want to call him back to his conscience. He denounces the name. His, as the name was denounced, he disconnects himself from that evil demonic altar. What happened? His status was given to him. Today they have a powerful ministry, marital, they, 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 I see them in Scotland and sometimes they come here, they run a marriage ministry, they are, him and the wife. Anyway, let us close from there today.
We thank God for the altar of altars, the altar of the throne of, of, of God. That's why we will see that our salvation, God had to raise an altar of altars, the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we come in the name of Jesus Christ, subscribing to the finished work of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. When, whenever we say that, the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ, every altar must bow. Why? Because we have the altar of altars where the blood, not of an animal, not of a dog, the pure, royal, blameless, divine blood of Jesus Christ. That's whenever we say, oh, the blood of Jesus, we're saying the life of Christ in me. Whenever you say blood of Jesus, you're saying the life of Christ in me because the life of Christ is resident in his blood. <laughs> Glory to God. Amen. Bless the name of the Lord. Thank you for your um, uh, for your feedback. Divine joy says thank you, everybody, apostle and apostle, for this wonderful revelation. Thank you, Minister Diana, for the wonderful prayers I have to go to hand over. Amen. God bless you all. So let us declare that we are blessed, and we declare that we are already blessed, forever blessed, and we are the heads and not the tails. We are flourishing. We are not surviving. We are flourishing in Jesus' name. Whatever we touch is already blessed in Jesus' name. We are operating under an open heaven in Jesus' name. We are temples of the blessed Holy Spirit. There is no weapon formed against us that is able, able to prosper in the name of Jesus Christ. Whatever Satan had set in motion against our lives today, our families and those who are near and dear to us is already destroyed and scattered in Jesus' name because God has made this day. We are flourishing. We are expanding in this day in Jesus' name. We decree and declare supernatural health is our portion in Jesus' name. As you go, you are going in the peace of the Lord, in the strength of the Lord, in the blessing of the Lord. Whatever your ancestors were never able to overcome, you have already overcome it in Christ Jesus. You are prosperous. You are not your mother. You are not your father. You are the child of God in Christ Jesus. You've been born by the word of truth. Your seed is incorruptible. Go and prosper in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for listening to this sermon, and I know you've been blessed. For more information about Shiloh Tabernacle and other sermons, please visit our website www.shiloh.org.uk And don't forget to follow us on all our social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter and Facebook at Shiloh LDN. Once again, that's at Shiloh LDN. You've been listening to Shiloh Tabernacle London, changing lives, building dreams. Until next time, God bless.